Our next retreat is finally here. It's called Adventures in Energetics, and it's happening November 8th to the 14th, 2024 in Boquete, Panama. This seven-day, six-night retreat in the beautiful cloud forest of Panama is going to be a unique experience. This program is a not-for-beginners retreat. And what I mean by that is you will actually have to fill out an application before you will be accepted to be able to register for the program because we are going to be doing more advanced level energetics and I need to make sure that everybody who comes is actually ready for the work. We will be doing a Kundalini awakening. We will be doing group visioning process called a spiritual canoe. We will be doing daily presence practices and working on expanding our energy. We will be doing daily rituals. This process will be related to specifically the people who are there because in addition to filling out the questionnaire about what your experience is, you're also gonna ask for what it is that you'd like to learn. So part of the curriculum for this is set and part of it will be designed around the desires of the participants. I only have 20 beds available for this retreat, so it will fill up quickly. So this is the time to register. Do not wait. To find out more, go to kellysparta.com forward slash retreat. I look forward to seeing you there. Another blood red sunset and yet another moon face and still another hundred miles to my next resting place. Driving down the road, eyes on the horizon, within my car I'm all Feeling good and feeling strong Knowing that this path I'm on brings me to myself I'm driving Hey now all, I'm Joey C. Welcome back to another episode of Spirit Sherpa. This is the show that helps and encourages you on your journey to unlock your magic mojo. With me as always is the spirit doctor, Kelly Sparta. Hey Kelly. Hey Joey. What's happening? I took a nap. <laughs> you know what? Naps are delightful. I love my naps. So delightful. I yes. love them. Now you're all refreshed and I am. ready to yeah. go. We're doing we some more We learned from other times of doing four episodes in a row that it was a really bad idea. Yeah. So we actually split this up into two sections. The, you know, people are like, oh, it's just podcasting. And it's like, no, it's like energy work in a, <laughs> in yes. a compressed little thing. It's There's a lot of stuff going on here. Yes, there is. And we've got a topic today that is a very long title. Yeah, it kind of had to be. I tried to think of how to shorten it, but it really couldn't be. But it ties into something we talked about. And the question you got, and this was from, from our friend Ken. Yep. And he wanted you to talk a little more about the difference between symbology and metaphor. Now, we've talked about this a couple times before, but you thought it would be interesting to kind of take symbology and metaphor and talk about how it applies in omens, portents, rituals, and journeys. Yes. Well, you know, Ken's on his 12th listening of the entire <laughs> podcast, so he wants more detail. And so... I'm assuming that after 12 times of listening to it, if he still wants more detail, then I probably haven't given it up. And We've so got to give it out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I thought I would give it up since if he wants more, probably other people do too. Yeah. But I wanted to put it in this context because I didn't want to be like, oh, we've done this before. Right. Okay. So let's talk about first sort of set a foundation for the the inclusion of omens, portents, rituals, and journeys. I'd like to just sort of hit on each of those words real quick, just to make sure everybody knows what those things are. Okay. An omen is an indicator of, you know, something to pay attention to, 
Okay. Like foreshadowing sort of event kind of uh, thing? Yeah, it, it can be foreshadowing. It could be, you know, um, trying to think of a good example. Uh, so the other day, you know, I, I think we even may have mentioned this on the podcast, but maybe not. The, uh, the other day I was out and the sky was weird. Okay. And I mean weird, not in a, there's going to be a thunderstorm or there's going to be a tornado way, but there was something not right in the sky Mm -hmm. and you looked up and you're like something ain't right and i asked the the weather gods are you being manipulated in some way is there a problem going on and they're Mm -hmm. like nope we're fine and so it wasn't about the weather itself it was something ain't right in the sky and so i'm like okay i'm just paying attention we'll see what what's what's coming down the pike yeah but something ain't right and so you know that's sort of an omen, okay. right? A portent is generally an indicator of the future sort of thing. Okay. And things like crows landing at your feet are are meant to be signs that someone's going to die. Okay. You know, hearing the, in, in Practical Magic, which is a movie I love, um, they talk about the, the, the bugs that, that chirped to indicate the death of a, of a, of a love of one of the women. Mm-hmm. That's a portent. Okay. Would that be like um, if a bird poops on you, it's good luck? Good luck. Okay. <laughs> in, in Italy, that's considered good luck. Right. Yes, exactly. So that's a portent, right? Mm-hmm. Those are signs. Right. And omens and portents are generally things people talk about as being, ooh, it's a sign. Okay. Yep. Now, uh, when we're talking about ritual, then it's different. Okay. So there are two types of ritual, and we, we've talked we've about this a lot, in yeah. great detail. Yeah. So, so I'm going to talk just about transformational ritual because that's the only thing I really care about. Okay. So, <laughs> so we're just going to talk about transformational ritual. In transformational ritual, it is, again, what we were saying in the last episode, which is it's about uh, creating a space in which you have the opportunity to transform from one state of being to another. Okay. It's an initiation rite. Mm-hmm. And then in journeying, a journey or a guided meditation, if that's the way you want to look at it, although not all journeys are guided, but whatever, <laughs> in, in journeying, you are going into another realm. It's, it's sort of like a, it's kind of like a ritual, but in your head. Okay. Instead of in, in physical reality, right? So in this context of what you just sort of defined for us in those things yeah anybody who is paying attention can sort of see from the start that all of those things are loaded to the brim with symbology yes i mean they are they are literally built around the different elements um, which are largely are symbolic yes so i guess do do they all tie together or did you want to when you want to touch on these do you want to touch on them individually or are is there a thread that that ties there well i kind of want to talk about symbology and metaphor uh as elements of these as things. elements of these okay. okay great so in omens importance generally you have a single symbol okay uh, it's rare that it's a combination right, right. unless some unless the spirits are really trying to get your attention yeah you know um they <laughs> when jeff and i my husband <laughs> When we first met uh, and we, we just got together, we were together for like two or three weeks and everywhere we looked, there were wedding things. <laughs> I mean, 
everywhere. We turned on Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> there was a wedding. <laughs> and there was a just married car driving down the street that probably got stomped by an alien from out of the, <laughs> from another planet. But it was a just married thing. And everywhere we went, there were things around getting married. And every time we turned off something we were watching, the Kardashian wedding was happening. And it was just, it was insane, the amount of stuff, the signs that we received over and over and over again about wedding uh, to the point where, you know, about three months in, I mentioned to a girlfriend of mine that I had told about the, uh, about us getting together. I told her, you know, six weeks before that, which was six weeks into our relationship. Um, I had told her about it. And then, you know, three months later, I was like, all this shit is happening. And she's like, <laughs> Oh good. I can tell you now. I'm like, what? She said, the angel said he came in for you. He's here for you. The angels told me that the first time you mentioned him to me, and I didn't want to tell you because I knew it would freak you out. I'm like, you're right. It would have freaked me out. (laughs) (laughs) So so there was no doubt in anyone's mind that this was meant to be. We just got whacked over the head over and over and over again with it. And so, you know, it was a bunch of different things, but all related to the same thing. Right. Omens and portents are always just symbols. Okay. They're symbology, right? Right. Um, And so, you know, the just married car or the have you thought about, you know, where you're going to get catered or, you know, here's a wedding cake or these are all symbols, right? Right. When you're dealing with journeys and ritual, now you're going to get into a combination of symbols and into metaphor. Okay. Metaphor is... Uh, where you're using a storyline or a story arc that is in the collective consciousness. And so, you know, the hero's journey is a classic, you know, um, Odysseus and Harry Potter and, you know, Frodo and, you know, whatever, right? That's the hero's journey. That's a classic metaphor that can be used in ritual. Okay. You know, then you can use specifically specific metaphors, right? You can use specific uh, stories from mythology if -hmm. you wanted to do that. So the descent of Inanna is a big one. When you're doing more advanced and deeper shadow work, the descent of Inanna gets used a lot. Right. That's a storyline that you follow through. Now, with that case, so you talked about the metaphor of the hero's journey, which is, as you mentioned, is sort of nonspecific. The hero's journey is a is a construct, a metaphorical construct that we know that gets applied across pretty much every adventure literature ever done has followed some sort of hero's journey. But when you're talking about the descent of Inanna, you are talking about a specific story. Yes. Which would not be extrapolated to something. It's not the Harry Potter Frodo. It's a specific thing. Is that? Mm, it can be. Okay. So does it become a construct as well? It can be. It isn't used broadly enough. I right. think a better example would be Pride and Prejudice. Okay. There's been a billion different versions of Pride and Prejudice. And, you know, they're not all called Pride and Prejudice. Right. right? Oh, <laughs> you know, uh, Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, Romeo and Juliet. Bridget Jones's Diary was Pride, Pride and Prejudice, yeah. right? You know, I mean, it's it just is. So, you know, sometimes, you know, the Descent of Inanna isn't as well known. It's only really uh, known in pagan circles, really. Yeah. Uh, so, it doesn't get the broad scope of appeal. But mm-hmm. 
but you know, um, I've talked about Mamma Mia being a an Aphrodite mythos, yeah. right? And it's an Aphrodite tale, which is why it was so wildly popular. Yeah, because that's at a collective unconscious, right? Because it was in the collective consciousness back in Greek and, Greek and Roman era, and it was being resurrected into the collective consciousness through this movie. Okay. But the reason it was successful is because it was still existing within the collective unconscious. Because we all already knew it, even though we didn't know we knew it. Exactly. When you're looking at Pride and Prejudice, or when you're looking at Romeo and Juliet, or any of Shakespeare's plays, really, because his stuff has been ripped off more times than I can count, too. <laughs> you know, those are classic metaphors. Right. And those can be used as structures for a journey or a ritual, sort right. of context and then within that that overall structure then you apply symbology and so let's use romeo and juliet as an example okay so two star-crossed lovers two families who don't like each other and who don't will not bless the union no matter what right they see no choice but to spend eternity together so you know symbology in that is going to be the poison that's taken mm-hmm. is, you know, drunk from a chalice, which is the feminine symbol, the masculine dagger going into the chalice and making the birth of the new space of being. When you're dealing with symbology, then it's about how do I support the image of what I'm trying to create? So okay. there's a little known thing outside of film, stu- film students um, <laughs> that in a movie, if someone's going to die, then you will often see the color red just before they die. Okay. And something I didn't know, Carolyn Kepish actually was a film student and she told me this. <laughs> and sure enough, it's true. And if yeah. you go back and you watch Sixth Sense, mm-hmm. you can see that every time he is shown, Bruce Willis is shown, something red is in the frame. And so that's a, a, a subtle hint that right. he's dead, right? Yep. And if you didn't know the end of that movie, get a life. You should. <laughs> you should have watched it by now. <laughs> so I don't feel bad. The upshot is, is that there are symbols that are within the collective consciousness. So if you see a cross, it has symbology associated with it. Right. Depending upon where it's put. If it's a plain cross on a coffin, <laughs> well, then it's a symbol of death. Right. If it's a cross with, with Jesus on it, and then it's a symbol of Catholicism. Yeah. You know, and, and it can be any number of, of things depending upon where it's shown. So symbols often are contextualized mm-hmm. by their environment. Right now, my husband and I are watching um, Memories of the Alhambra, which okay. if you have not watched it on Netflix, is amazing. It's really, uh, it's a fantastic show. It's Korean, and so it's subtitled but it's totally worth reading the subtitles for. Um, The premise is that he's playing this game that is sort of unlike virtual reality, it's an actual reality. And so at one point he levels up and he sees this hawk overhead that no one else can see. It's just for him because he's leveled up to the level where he can see it now and it lands and it gives him a quest, right? (laughs) classic symbology there right the hawk is the bringer of messages that's a classic symbol if he had used something other than a hawk it would have been the wrong symbol yeah harry potter uses symbology the owls are very interesting because they bring wisdom from the outside world right owl is wisdom yeah and so you know any uh, gandalf 
Yeah. <laughs> Gandalf is a metaphor unto himself. <laughs> he, he is he he is Merlin the mage, right? Yeah. You know, he is you know, Gandalf and Merlin are basically the same. As is Dumbledore. Yeah. They're all the same character. They're they're a symbol within it, but they are their own metaphor in and of themselves. The wise ancient wizard with knowledge beyond yes. what they should know. Yes. Exactly. And even Voldemort is that same wizard, but gone bad. Right. Just like Sauron is. Right. So it's the same concept. In Arthurian legend, it would be the oh Morwen, Mor Mor um, crap. What's her name? Morgan. <laughs> not Morgan. That was um. No, it's not no. the Morgan. It's uh, um. The M- Morgan. Morgana. Mor- Morgana. Morgana. Morgan. Morgan Le Fay. Morgan Le Fay. That's it. Is. Morgan Le Fay. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it was something. I knew like we it. would do it. We, would get, we got there. We got there. <laughs> <laughs> so it's Morgan Le Fay in in uh, Arthurian legend. So these are all the the wizards who came up had the opportunity to to make good and and fell prey to power for power's sake right right as i as i tell people look you know if you don't want to go bad in magic stop looking for power outside of yourself okay and stop looking to use power outside of yourself it's only when you are using power for your own purposes for for your own beingness that that you won't go bad right okay Symbology and metaphor. The symbols that we choose are often linked to what we're trying to accomplish within a journey, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, we probably should have done this episode after I did a shamanic journey for everyone so that they would have had an experience of it. But the symbols that you choose are relevant, right? right. And symbols go across multiple uh, areas, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got literature and movies which have their own storylines. And then you've got culture. So in Asian culture, generally, if somebody dies, you're wearing white. Mm -hmm. And in our, in Western culture, you're wearing black. And so that symbol changes depending upon who you're, you're, you're being with. There's also in Native American culture, there is things such as power animals and animal messages, messengers mm-hmm. and things like that, which is where the, the piece from Hawk comes from, yeah. right? As well as in Conjure, right? Because right. we talked with Karen about how Conjure comes out of, you know, life. Yeah. And that's going to have its own piece too. And Celtic religion has stuff around wildlife and things of that nature as well. And they have their own mythos, right. have their own mythology, right? So, Caridwen, the, the cauldron yep. of Caridwen is a huge symbol in Celtic mm-hmm. mytho- mythology. So, when you're, when you're looking at all of this, what you have to realize is that, and it's, it's very funny because I see people do things all the time where they're like, oh, no, I, and, you know, this cultural appropriation stuff that people get stuck in. When you're doing magical workings, all symbols exist in all collective unconscious. So while I do not feel like I can say I can or should stand up and say, oh, I'm a shaman in Native American tradition, because I ain't, right? right? (laughs) And I would never do that. It doesn't mean I can't use a symbol that's from that tradition. Right. If I'm using it respectfully. Yep. So if I were to do a ritual around compassion, I would actually put Christ 
and Kuan Yin on the altar. Right. You want to talk about two disparate cultures, right? <laughs> but both of them represent the essence of compassion. You could even do Christ and Mother Teresa. Yeah. You could do that. It's what holds the symbol for you. And what holds the metaphor as well. Yeah. Well, symbol, metaphor, yeah, whichever one you're working with in the moment. Right. Yeah. And when we're just talking compassion, then that would be a symbol. Right. A metaphor usually has a storyline associated. Storyline to it. Okay. You know, you're probably wondering where I'm pulling all of these from. <laughs> <laughs> and and I believe in the last time we talked about this, I said, look, just go get a dream dream interpretation journal, and that'll help you. Yeah. And and it will. It's really a good idea. And you could pick up some stuff on animal speaks and stuff like that for for Native American culture and and just study culture because, you know, there are things that mean things that we don't even think about day to day, but are actually things that mean things. Right. You know, just simply pointing your finger and cocking it like a gun is is a symbol. Right. That's a symbol right there. Yeah. And it's going to freak some people out. But, you know, it was the easiest one I could think of. The, the peace sign is yep. a symbol. I'll do the opposite. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I love you, right? The, yeah. the, the I love you sign. The You know, the shaka, just hang out. Yeah. Right? Or if you take there, the shaka and you put it to your ear and your mouth, it means call phone. me. <laughs> All right. Yeah. It's, a, it's the phone. Call me. Yeah. So, you know, there's all sorts of things that we have that we can use. And there's ways in which we communicate non-verbally on a regular basis. And all of that is done with symbology. Okay. So, let's sort of start to wrap this a little bit and and put a little bow on it for folks. Because we we have talked over the course of this series a lot about symbology and metaphor. But I don't think that it ends with any one episode. I think that symbology and metaphor are so vital to everything we do from a magical perspective. They are, Absolutely. they are, it's like you talked about, they're the cornerstone, not only to just about every organized religion that ever, ever existed. I mean, they're all built around metaphor. They're all built around symbology, but also all the magical workings we're going to do, whether that's conjure or whatever it is, we're using symbology to drive forth our intent in our manifestations that we're we're doing in our work. Yeah, and that's a really good point, Joey. When we're doing magic, we're we're setting intent, but we're also building things mm-hmm. with the symbols that we use. So the wand that we use is used to direct the focus. Right. The cup that we drink from is used to provide feminine intuition and uh, moisture and sustenance and the, the you know the the water of life mm-hmm. to us and as we drink it we take in the energy that's in the liquid in the cup right yeah it's all a symbolic act when you banish something pretty sure karen talked about banishing in her episode yeah a lot of it's about sending the energies away Right. And that's all symbolically done. Right. When we work with the symbols, we work with the collective unconscious to support and further our actions. And so that's why using symbols are so important. And that's where it sort of drives us to at this point is that, you know, we could do 20 episodes on symbology and on metaphor, but really what it comes down to, it sounds to me as though 
we really just need to get comfortable. Those of us who are learning, those of us who get comfortable with symbolism, symbology, get comfortable with metaphor, and get comfortable with how we incorporate it into our journeys uh, yeah. along this path. Yeah. One of the best things you can do if you want to educate yourself is sit down on Wikipedia and just read all of the mythology stories of all the cultures that you can find. And there's, I mean, you could go to the library and take out books and books and books and stuff. I know my teenage daughter is a huge mythology fan and she reads everything she can get her hands on for any mythology out there. I can almost guarantee that this is going to be part of her future from a from that perspective she just absorbs (laughs) them all and she's she actually told me the other day she was in a history class where the history teacher was talking about something to do with um greek mythology and she said i was just under my breath correcting him because he was wrong not about big things but just about (laughs) i'm like (laughs) you're gonna get yourself in trouble (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she was doing it under her breath exactly if, she if knew, that had she been knew. me back in the day i would have told him he was an idiot <laughs> <laughs> exactly because i felt the need to correct everybody <laughs> <laughs> all right well this has been great i think that we we sort of added a lot of uh depth to our conversations about symbology and um metaphor that while again while we've talked about it before there's there's nuance and depth that comes when you apply it to these specific things things like omens portents uh rituals and journeys it's it's sort of how there it's applied there that starts to give us a little bit more understanding and comprehension on how to grasp and use it yeah well and honestly really the best way is just to work with them right you know it's not until you actually get to the point of working with them that that you really get a grip on how it works, you know, exactly. so the more you learn, the, the more you realize you don't know. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the, uh, the more it sort of sinks in at, at a visceral level. Absolutely. We, we don't learn as much classic literature and, you know, fairy tales are another classic way to yep. find symbols as well. The glass slipper is a classic symbol. Yep. You, you show a glass slipper, everybody knows it's Cinderella, right. everybody. Yeah. So, you know, that's the sort of thing that, when you're deep into it just becomes part and parcel of what you're doing. And the Dan Brown books are a great way to find symbols. Oh my goodness. Because he's mired in them. Right. And and the interesting thing is how the symbols then tie into the metaphors themselves. Uh, You talked about the glass slipper. That's a great one. But if, if you were to show a, a construct of any lost shoe, a single shoe that's been lost, people will tie that back to the story of Cinderella and then the, yes. the metaphor that goes along with that. Um, so yeah. it, it becomes... Or if you present an apple. Right. It, people will tie it to Eve and or... Snow White. Snow White. Yeah, right? exactly. Same thing. Evil apple. Evil right? apple. There are the apples become <laughs> evil. Exactly. Right. <laughs> awesome. Well, this has been great. And folks, if you have any questions or if this sort of brings up stuff that you want to you wanna put out... Why don't you do it in the Facebook group? Join the Spirit Sherpa Podcast After Party Facebook group. It's a great place to have conversations about this stuff because there is a lot about this. And this could actually generate some really interesting conversation um, between the listeners who have thoughts about symbols and, and metaphors that that they might want to use. Because, like I said, we can't have a an episode that goes across. Here's every single symbol and every single metaphor and every single mythology and all of these. Here's everything laid out in a single book it's more about that comfort level and people starting to use them and the more you use them the more you find them the more you get comfortable with them come into the after party facebook group and let us know what you think and what are some symbols and metaphors that you're using that that others might want to know about 
And if you're listening to the show, which if you can hear us saying this, then you're listening <laughs> you're to the listening. show. We want you to subscribe and rate. So let the let the whatever podcast listening app you're listening on, let them know what you think about what Kelly's doing and rate the show. Rate it really, really high. That would be wonderful. <laughs> yes, please. Give, us, give us a good review. Um, and, and definitely uh, get out there. But share it as well. We've talked about this a couple times. We'll keep saying this over and over again. Sharing is caring. So definitely get out there and share the podcast with your friends where it's relevant. And last but not least, kellysparta.com, where you can go and get information on what Kelly has going on. You can book a discovery session. You can check out any of her services. And get the Boundaries for Empaths program. Get the Boundaries for Empaths program, which is now free. It is. Even without the code. Now you've just made it available to everyone. So I, there you go, folks. So, I like that. Yeah, you're pretty good like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Before we wrap up, any final words you have? Am I dying? <laughs> you said I, final words. <laughs> for the, before we wrap up the episode, Kelly, was that a symbolism or mytho- <laughs> a metaphor? Sorry. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Holy moly. Now, if you die, they're going to blame me. You know that, right? Jiminy crickets. Okay. <laughs> well, anyway, that is no, all. I don't have any final words. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm not even letting you get them if you did have them. <laughs> all right, folks. That is all that we have for this week. But be sure to join us next time as Kelly, when she's alive, adds another <laughs> chapter into your guide to energy, magic, and the spirit world. I'm Joey C. here with Kelly Sparta, and you have been listening to Spirit Sherpa. So long, everyone. <laughs> Bye, it was nice knowing him. <laughs> oh my goodness. Each while I travel over 13,000 now, so I leave behind a little fear. Spirit Trippa is the sole property of Kelly Sparta Enterprises and is distributed under Creative Commons BY-NC-ND 4.0 license. For more information about this licensing, please go to creativecommons.org. Any requests for deviations to this licensing should be sent to K-E-L-L-E at K-E-L-L-E-S-P-A-R-T-A dot com. That's Kelly at kellysparta.com. To sign up or to get more information on the programs, offerings, and services referenced in this episode, please go to kellysparta.com. This episode of Spirit Sherpa has been produced by Honu Voice Productions. Are you waking up to the spiritual world and realizing that you have no idea what you're doing, but you feel like you kind of probably should, especially since... You seem to be seeing things and feeling things and having things see you that maybe aren't so great and that you might want to actually control your experience of that. Well, I have great news for you because our Welcome to the Woo program does just that for you. It teaches you how to hold your energy field, manage your energy field, clear your energy field, protect your energy field, and learn how to protect your space. And you learn how to do basic divination and talk to your guides so that you feel like you actually have a clue and have a way to talk to the guides that will help you to figure everything else out. And it teaches you how to make sure that you feel mentally, emotionally, and energetically safe. That means that we also deal with things like fear and anxiety and worry and dread and self-doubt and inner and outer judgments. And we help you build a foundation of self-support and courage. All of these things together create a solid sense of safety in your own life. They will reduce your stress levels in half, guaranteed. So visit the website at kellysparta.com and find out more about the Welcome to the Woo program. Your future awaits.